0: everybody, to the very first episode of your new favorite podcast, Lights, Camera, Exploitation. I am your host with the motherfucking most, T.G. Bowser. And joining me is my doppelganger, Kangabanger from Down Under, Mr. Brody Kane. Howdy, howdy. And Slick Nick with the big, woo, Reese. What's up, buddy? What's up, everybody? Yeah, so today is February 19th, 2021, and we are just moving along. And we got a doozy of an episode for you today. We're going to do our little slice of life segment here. Uh, Actually, you know what? Let's... uh, to describe what the show is first. Uh, so <laughs> all you new listeners, people who are first coming to the show, this is going to be a show that centers around exploitation films and the evolution of subgenres. Uh, these are films that are near and dear to our hearts and films that I, we feel personally that need to be talked about need to be talked about more and more in depth. So join us each week as we kind of take a journey down different avenues and exploit different types of things. It's going to be quite the fun. The, uh, season one is going to feature 10 episodes of some crazy ass films and then uh we're gonna take a three-month hiatus and then bring you uh season two with even more crazy exploitation films but brody how was your week
1: yeah not too bad mate yeah just uh pretty flat out at work as per usual um yeah uh mortal Kombat trailer dropped might i just say and it is fucking nothing more than a spectacular ride it looks fucking fantastic this thing and i am impressed um but yeah other than that yeah just work um watch this film multiple times um i love it love cronenberg his work is the best um but yeah other than that nothing nothing i'm I'm a very boring person these days (laughs) how about you mr bowser
0: well, podcasts here, podcasts there, podcasts everywhere. And it wouldn't be one of my shows if I didn't say that. Uh, so I did a lot of producing this week. We did a lot of scheduling behind the scenes. And I'm going to be announcing a couple new shows very, very soon with a couple of my friends. Don't want to reveal any more than that. But the boys sitting next to me here are very aware of what's going on. And it's oh yeah, a lot of exciting stuff coming to Project Louder. And I'm excited to share it with all you guys. I'm excited to start this new show and finally talk about things other than horror for once and really break down some of my favorite films. And honestly, this is a, a show with Brody, and we don't really have a show that's just our own. And Nick's kind of new to the network, and it's awesome to welcome on to some content that's not <laughs> the wonderful Beetle Bros. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Beetleborgs related.
2: So let's segue on to Nick. What about you, buddy? Alrighty. Well, uh, I kind of talked about it a little bit whenever I was on uh, Gorinmore last um, with my uh, my car being in the shop for like a good week. Uh, I got it out and I drove it for a grand total of two days and got a flat tire uh, in the middle of uh, you know the entire Midwest getting absolutely slammed with snow and winter storms and everything. So uh, it took like two days just to even get it towed to a shop, but I mm. just got it back today. Um, other than that, I've been trying to coordinate a move uh, Uh, for my work so i've been in an empty office uh by myself with no heat trying to coordinate getting electricians out to install ethernet uh, ports but other than that um yeah not really a whole lot uh it's ate up most of my time so it's pretty much just get home and get to bed
0: (laughs) not bad though okay so hopefully things uh look up with your car and stuff (laughs) <laughs> i hope so man i swear i've paid more in maintenance on that thing than it's worth <laughs> brody just got a new car not too long ago yeah. that i did i uh
1: treated myself to a chrysler 300c so oh, nice starting to turn a bit americana down this way <laughs> That's good. No, it it, it goes all right. I'm very happy with the car. Um, I had to buy something more reliable than my um, other ute um, because I was exactly like you, Nick. I was in the bloody mechanics nearly every week. Um, Yeah, man. But yeah, no. Yeah, no. Like, I I love it. Um, So, yeah, it's not bad at all.
0: Okay. So, let's get on with the first episode of Lights, Camera, Exploitation, 1996's Crash. Directed by David Cronenberg, who also directed some of our favorite films: The Fly from 1986, Video Drum uh, from 1983, Scanners from 1981, and Rabid from 1977. James Woodson is in uh, Video Drum, huh? Yeah, yes yeah. he is. That's a Thank that's a good. pretty awesome film. And The Fly you got Jeff Goldblum. That movie's nuts. Grossed yeah. me out as a kid so hard, so bad.
2: <laughs> that one messed me up when I was younger. And Scanners, I love Scanners
0: though, dude, the franchise of Scanners is just oh. awesome. Brody. And i ref- uh, watch wow. those films and reference them constantly sure. yeah and i think uh earlier this year we got a scanner cop one announcement on blu-ray which is a pretty big deal uh for myself because i love those films and i would love to fucking see that film in a proper restoration so yeah <laughs> who's need- bringing that one out that is a good question it might have been Scorpion, but you can't quote me on that. Yep. Awesome. i would believe
2: that movie's 40 years old now. Oh, uh, so crazy, right? <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> Man, video drums next. Two yes. more. <laughs>
0: so, the uh, movie was written by David Cronenberg based on a book by J.G. Ballard, and we will talk about that later. Cinematographer Peter Shazensky who also did Cronenberg's Dead Ringers from 1988, The Empire Strikes Back from 1980, otherwise known as the best Star Wars film, and Tim Burton's sure. 1996 Mars Attacks, which I watched yesterday, and Taryn goes, Dad, that's a pretty good film. And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> good <awesome>. on her. <laughs> Music by uh, Howard Shore. And he also did Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring from 2001. If you like walking, go watch it. Dogra from 1999 and the glorious Twilight Saga, Eclipse and other films from that series starring the lovely James Spader as James Ballard. You might know him from Boston Legal from 2004 to 2008, or the voice of Ultron from Avengers Age of Ultron. He's also Robert California in The Office from 2011 to 2012, and that character is fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yeah. In in some some way, I like to think that Robert California is the same character as this, just grown up.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I've been revisiting The Office at the moment, and there was bits and pieces of his character in that I was like, Holy fuck. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the same character. (laughs) Like, it was crazy. Uh, It was like little bits and pieces.
0: There's the deleted scene where he has, like, uh, Angela bent over the hood of his car. (laughs) (laughs) Just Dwight
2: staring at him from across the (laughs) room.
1: Dwight and Bose. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking a so also featuring uh holly hunter is Helen remington uh she's an oscar winner correct yes um,
1: she is so? she, she is yeah i can't remember what it's for but i uh, think she is yes okay
0: she is uh from the weinstein brothers the burning from 1981 <laughs> piano Uh, film's awesome uh raising arizona from 1987 and of course oh brother where art thou from 2000 uh we don't know for some fucking reason why she won an oscar but i think she did
2: uh it was (laughs) (laughs) best actress for the piano there
0: we go for this Uh, yes again wasn't in our notes because we don't know that film (laughs)
2: I've never seen it. <laughs> okay, I've heard of it. I've never seen it.
0: And the next guy we're a little bit more familiar with, which is Elias Cotez as Vaughn, who as we know him as Casey Jones from nineteen nineties Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Prophecy films, Watch Where You're Christopher Walken, and the Thin Red Line,
2: nineteen ninety eight, which is how I recognize them. Okay, absolutely. And can of I course, say, sorry.
1: Yeah, sorry. Yes. Can I just say how good the Prophecy actually really is? Like. Mm-hmm. It is a very underappreciated film, and I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up maybe in season two.
0: Okay. The Prophecy does have Christopher right. Walken in it, right? My joke was on point right there. Yes, yes okay. it okay. Does. Okay. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for her to be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> also, Deborah Unger as Catherine Ballard. Uh, you might know her from the Silent Hill movie in 2006, The Game in 1997, and The Wave from 2010. Lastly, we have Rosanna Arquette, part of the Roque- uh, the Arquette acting family as Gabrielle you might notice her from pulp fiction from 1994 after hours from 1985 and the whole 9 yards in 2000
2: was she Lance's girlfriend in pulp fiction uh yes she was the one with all okay. the shit in her face yeah <laughs> that's my wife yeah okay that was it yeah no it was his wife yeah <laughs> i i didn't even really connect that until just now <laughs> Day. so we have
0: some awesome. additional crew
2: here i wanted to talk about and uh
0: it's a costume design by denise cronenberg which is his sister who also did dead ringers and the fly and then listed here trainee assistant director his daughter cassandra cronenberg brody and i talked a bit a little bit about this she kind of stopped doing this but she also was listed as an assistant director on american psycho
2: oh yeah that's- so that's 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 one of my favorite movies ever, so that's actually pretty
1: cool. Definitely keeping it in the family. But I I just started following her on Instagram, and she's uh, turning the direction of photography now, and she does some really neat stuff. I think it's more so for like um, behind the scenes at like live red carpets and all that type of thing. So, yeah.
2: No, it's still pretty cool stuff. Yeah, okay.
1: absolutely. Brody,
0: do you want to uh, talk about the plot?
1: That I can. So, basically, yes, Crash is about the strange allure of the auto collision, provoking as it does the human fascination with death and the tendency to erotic, erotic size danger. Most motorists will slow down to stare at the scene of a collision. They may feel their pulses quickening and becoming aware of the fra- fragility of their own <laughs> bodies. <laughs> the characters of Crash carry this awareness a step further, cherishing and nurturing it. For them, a car collision is a sexual turn-on and a jolting life force they come to
0: crave. Okay. Fucking yeah. A. So,
2: want <laughs> wants some awards, Nick. Let's talk about them. It did. Uh, it won the special jury prize at the 1996 Cannes Film Festival. Uh, it was nominated for a Golden Palm at the same uh, Cannes Film Festival in 96. Uh, it was also nominated for a Grand Prix of the Belgian Syndicate of Cinema Critics. Uh, it was... It won uh, the best alternative adult feature film at the 1998 <laughs> Adult Video News Awards. <laughs> we'll call uh, that. And, after he's done. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was nominated for the Motion Picture Sound Editors Award in '98, okay. and it also won six Genie Awards from the Academy of Canadian Cinema and Television in '96, <laughs> shortly after its release. Really okay, so watching the the Ebert uh, review and
0: stuff, uh, like the cool, the weird little TV excerpt on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> But he's like, (laughs) it's porn, but they took on all the sex.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) I read his written one, too. And it was basically immediately the first line was like, it is a pornographic film without a lot of sex. (laughs) They took the sex out and put car crashes in to replace it. And
0: the fact that it won adult features film awards doesn't help that point at all. It it was an NC-17
2: rating. When it came out, like
0: it, I mean, I don't blame uh, it. There's a lot of, uh, nipple play. There's anal sex scenes. There's possible wound fucking scenes, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, uh, oh,
2: it's yeah. a It's an interesting film to say the least. Yes.
1: absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, Cronenberg didn't even really want to uh, direct this film. He got a pitch to him by a producer. Um, I think the producer was Jeremy Thomas and, yeah. He proposed the, the Ballard novel to him and Cronenberg read like 20 pages of the, fil- uh, of the book itself. And he had to put it down due to the fact that it was quite repellent and very disturbing. So if you're, if you're disturbing Cronenberg, like, you know, you're doing a pretty good job, yeah. but then he started like reading it again from a perspective, like of medical terms. Then he found it quite interesting after that point of view. And, and it, you can definitely see that play out throughout this film.
2: It kind of makes sense. Uh, the closest one that I could really kind of find to his other work that kind of made me think like that's kind of close to Crash was probably Dead Ringers. And he did yes. that eight years before this came out. Um, a lot of the same production crew as well. The same cinematographer, I believe, um, which was, yeah, it was just kind of interesting to see that. I was like, I like, he didn't come back to at least close to this sort of subject for eight years after he did that one with the, you know, them being gynecologists and everything during that. So I think this is a film that was uh, well ahead of its time and we're, and we're able to appreciate
0: it now only because of the way that uh, film has evolved and our, the way that we look at film has also evolved with it. So I think that Cronenberg, a lot of Cronenberg's work is not appreciated when it's released. And it's not, it takes decades upon decades before we're like, fuck this guy was onto something
1: absolutely um i'll just throw in there like that interview with david cronenberg on crash you you can see it on youtube it's actually from 1996 Mm he he actually like um like in terms of directing and like the vehicles he, he actually likes to think of himself more as a Ferrari than a mainstream. Yeah,
0: and he didn't want to come <laughs> off as a dick. He wanted to make it very, very clear that it's not an elitist thing. You can interpret it as an elitist thing if you want, but it's not yeah. an elitist thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just likes to play. Like he states that it's like a yeah. different concept of a car that resembles yes. himself and his filmography. And I think that's perfect because he is a yes. co- uh, car collector. So uh,
0: only Mr. sports Craig. cars, though. He he made it very uh, clear. Own oh, these old sports cars and I used to race them and I don't know if I'm going to, but I'm not gonna say I'm not going
2: to. <laughs> it's kind of funny to talk about that. Uh the uh the last movie that I watched before this, fittingly enough, was a Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I heard that movie looks really good in 4K. It uh I don't think we saw it in 4K. Um okay. I got a group uh that I usually just play games with and stuff on Discord, uh, but and every couple like nights throughout the week, we'll usually just kind of stream movies to each other. Oh, okay. Kind of like a little watch group and Ford v Ferrari was the last one. Uh, which I think my friend that was streaming it had it in 4K, but max you can get on Discord is going to be a 1080p stream. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't going to look any better than that, but it still looked good. It's a really visually striking movie. It looks really nice.
1: Yeah. Excellent.
0: Excellent. So, uh, let's, uh, get on to some of other bits and pieces. I'm going to do a little clap here for the audio. But uh, it's time to get physical (laughs) with physical media. Uh, The audio listeners will appreciate that because there will be audio signatures up in there with let's get physical. But uh, (laughs) there are two versions, not two versions. Okay, you know what? We're going to say two versions of this film because we're not 100% sure. Uh, Physical media is a thing that's near and dear to our hearts. Here at Lights, Camera, Exploitation, I myself am hardcore into film preservation, and I am a collector of oddities and rare film. Uh, Brody is a collector of anything that he likes and anything remotely nostalgic to his childhood. So, uh, yeah, so we meet on several, several layers. And then, of course, Nick is a film lover. So,
2: Indeed, I'll get physical when I can. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So Brody happens to
0: own the Arrow video release of this film.
1: Uh, in is. all its glory,
0: I'm gonna skadoosh on and grab my criterion. So, you show that while I go grab mine.
1: <laughs> so, what we bloody have here, folks, is that we have uh arrow videos. Uh, I don't know, well, it's definitely not a 4K, but it is a Blu ray of uh Cronenberg's Crash. Yes, <laughs> we do, and it comes with some neat little gifts You got your poster. You do have a book that talks about the controversial times of 1996 about this film.
0: There's a little essay inside the book?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. It, yeah, it, it actually elaborates a lot on the uh, novel itself and Cronenberg. It has, it has a little interview with Cronenberg and J.G. Ballard, so yeah. it's a very interesting read. I recommend So it. on I your would...
0: version, it features a 4K restoration of the uncut NC-17 version supervised by Director of Photography, Peter Krzynski, and approved by Director David Cronenberg. Uh, the 4K version is a true 4K UHD presentation with a 5.1 surround DTS-HD master audio soundtrack, and it is region-free, but the one Brody has, which is the non-4K, is region-B locked. At, yes.
1: Yes. That is correct.
0: And uh, Um, for those video listeners, well, video, yeah, video listeners, let's uh, pop up your box real quick so we can show them. See that little 18 right there? Point to the the 18 there. That's a little signifier that uh, it's probably region B locked. And then on the back, it will uh, have an A, B, or C located there to signify what region it is. There it is. Yes. So moving on to the opposite side, which is the American release of this film from Criterion. Uh, You can get the 4K version of this, uh, but actually I don't think that they have a 4K because Criterion does not come out with 4K. But the movie was scanned with a 4K digital restoration supervised once again by cinematographer Peter Shazinski and approved by David Cronenberg. It actually came with a sticker attached to the cellophane that was signed by David Cronenberg. That was really cool when I got it. Uh, 1080p Blu-ray presentation on this one. Same master audio soundtrack as the Aero video. And this one's region A locked. Uh, we got the back here, a little different. And then inside we have an awesome little, uh, pamphlet. Very different than, uh, Brody's. He's got a little book. This is a fold out poster where we get some interesting artwork. I don't know if this is po- original poster artwork or if this is Criterion po- artwork.
1: I think that might be uh, Criterion artwork. Okay. Because I've got a little poster here as well.
0: And then on the back, we have a different essay than what Brody has, I believe. That's called The Wreck of the Century. Is that the different essay than what you have?
1: Um, so I've basically got uh, arrow Arrow's – if I can get that in Oh, frame, it's beautiful. Arrows, Crash. That looks good. (laughs) It's very erotic. And I do like it. And on the other side, I think this might be the original artwork. That is. Mm -hmm.
0: So we got to
1: Yeah. It's very hard to choose between the two on this poster because I really do like that arrow release. But the original
0: I'd say this is more of an artsy version in minimalist style, where yours is more of a flashy boutique collector type style and i think that those also speak waves about the the companies we're talking about in this podcast it's criterion and Arrow, two very awesome companies that supply very good product but also very different and have two completely different mission statements when it comes to presenting preserve preserving and giving us films like these i think they That's both good. do a really really good job though
1: i do like your poster though because it does represent the overall tone and it has that industrial vibe you know and i really yeah it really lays this film it's laid over this film completely for
0: audio listeners uh feel free to go to the arrow and criterion websites to see these posters and the artworks that we are referencing in the video version uh thank you
2: or pick up your own copy of the movie too, man. Yes, uh, <laughs> It is available on Amazon, eBay,
0: or direct from those companies. About
2: 30, 35 dollars or so, I think. Yep. The yeah. Yeah. So
0: Dep- It goes up and down. Uh, if you get the add-on called Honey for Google Chrome, it will track that and send emails to your phone. And I'm going to see if we can get a sponsorship from them cuz that'd be cool. I use Ooh. them a lot. I've actually talked to talked to Brody about that. Uh a couple times because that's a tool that we use a lot whenever we're doing our Blu-ray collecting is uh, that Honey thing because it allows me to monitor prices as they go up and down, especially on things on uh, Amazon and uh, companies that do price matches. Ooh, buddy. It's a lifesaver yes.
2: sometimes. Nice. I actually didn't know that they did uh, monitoring for it. I've only ever used them for like the coupons and checkouts and stuff.
0: Oh, okay, fair enough.
2: So that's cool.
0: So, <laughs> so let's do some additional information. Who wants to take this away?
1: I will just sort of take it away just to ease it into what we were just talking about with the Blu-rays and that because on on my special features here, uh, there is an interview with Cronenberg and Viggo Mortensen who actually chose the film at TIFF Talks Um, and they obviously talk about the film and that but this is a little – well, it, it, uh, it's irrelevant to what we are just talking about and it's the restoration thing with Cronenberg who had not seen the film in 20 years but and, it, and he pretty much just laughed throughout the entire movie and the <laughs> fact that they were crazy people having sex over car crashes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Reading that made me so happy.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I found that very interesting more than pretty much anything else there. So.
0: So upon restora- uh, upon researching this film, we found out that this isn't the only uh, film adaptation of the book that's out there. Uh, 1987, we got a short called Nightmare Angel, directed by Zoe Belloff and Susan Emerling, starring the Bill Mosley, Audrey Matson, and James Selby. Summary: Inspired by Crash and the Atrocity Exhibition. Two novels by J.G. Ballard about the relationship between technology and our mental states, how machines are extensions of ourselves, our bodies, and our consciousness. Controversy surrounding the original book by J.G. Ballard started even more initial publishing in June of 73 when early copies were sent to initial publishers and first readers responded, this author is beyond psychiatric help, do not publish.
2: <laughs> was, I liked reading about the book a lot. I was glad to put that one in there. <laughs> makes
1: me want to read the book even more.
2: Does anybody want to take over? Uh, Nick? Sure. Um, so and, and aside from that, we also um, some of the additional commentary that I kind of saw, because I, I like to look about uh, look through people also talking about and discussing the movie as well to kind of get some outside of opinions mm-hmm. um, and just kind of see what what other people think about it um, was I saw because because uh, J.G. Ballard uh, or Ballard um, also writes a lot of dystopian uh, novels as well. And so I, I saw that there was a lot of kind of dystopian themes running throughout it a lot. It's got a really oppressive atmosphere throughout the entire movie. Um, and, and just the mechanical extension of humanity and everything through the cars and this being at the height of the Cold War and a lot of that dystopian era, just kind of our technology being extensions of ourselves and can absolutely just destroy us, too, at any given moment was one of the themes that I saw a lot of people kind of talking about it. I'd never really thought of that the first time I watched the movie. Uh, but knowing now more backstory about the the book itself um, and just the time periods written, I can kind of see it. And I kind of agree with a lot of it um, and just kind of part of it really seems like kind of a, a power fantasy that these characters have that Vaughn kind of comes in and sort of helps like corrupt a little bit mm-hmm. and just kind of push it to the next level, um, especially shown when uh, he was his the names escaping me right now, his friend, the uh, the stunt driver. Uh, that at a certain point during the, the movie does a crash without him and he gets really upset about it. While oh, he's just sitting there taking the pictures and he's like, you couldn't wait. <laughs> um, and Von yeah, the that movie scene,
1: movie. that scene actually like, that's probably my favorite scene throughout the um, entire movie. It just, it just sort of comes full circle to the point where you're like, fuck, he was like really upset with the fact that his mate's dead and more upset with the fact that he did it without him. Like, it just shows you who vaughn really is like he just does not give a shit about anyone
2: nope it's everything for himself basically um but it, it just i don't know it really plays into his character it makes him a lot more fleshed out and just a lot more interesting to watch this piece of shit <laughs> rope all of these people into his sexy car crash <laughs> death cult <laughs> pretty, much. pretty much um and so uh, one of the other things that I noticed as well um, that I just kind of going through the filmographies and the other work uh, from the people on this was uh, Holly Hunter. Um, her first ever movie, um, we mentioned it earlier, was was the burning uh, back in 81 was a slasher. Um, and looking through there, I noticed she didn't do another horror movie again at Gore all. Cat. more episode one is the, is the burning. I believe so. <laughs> is that correct, Brody?
1: Uh, No, it's the town that dreaded Sunday. Oh,
2: that's right. The burning Uh,
0: is what?
1: Episode two or three. I think it's either two or three. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. It's cool. funny because I talked to Tom Savini a week before we rec- re- recorded that film, and I talked to him about it. And I was like, I was like, "Oh shit! I get to talk about it on the show, like to Tom Savini." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It, it's funny going back now, three years ago, and like, there's a completely different me who's just so excited. Uh, so, talking about Holly Hunter, I think she dies on the raft in that movie, Brody.
1: Um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think you are correct there, sir.
0: Yeah, I think she's part of the rafting crew. Uh, she's the girl that wears the... Uh, I think it's a blue shirt. She screams a lot. So, yeah.
1: I'll have to revisit it.
0: Good film. Good film. Shitty people that made it, though. Okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Can <'Cause> represent-
2: <laughs> I give it a watch? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then also you have
2: uh, something here about James Spader, who worked on Dream Lover. I did. Uh, yeah. So I was trying to look for other um, movies uh that the the crew and cast of this had worked on kind of around the same time to see um if they were just kind of going if this just kind of was out of the blue for them given the subject matter how let's be honest weird this movie is um and so it just kind of seemed like for a lot of the actors uh, if
0: you're into car kinda crash kinda and voyeurism this movie's not that weird
2: Yes. No, it's very standard fare for yeah. you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he was actually in a Dream Lover, which was another erotic thriller um, just a couple years before this uh, by Nicholas Kazan, I believe, was the director for that one. So it was interesting to see that this wasn't just like there was kind of a buildup uh, in looking at the different movies. I'm that pretty
0: sure Dream Lover is this. a script that Brody wants to happen.
1: That it is. <laughs> and if you're listening to Jackson, Make it happen.
0: Make it happen
1: (laughs) because we need it.
0: I I had to do it. I had to fucking do it. So, uh,
1: was either going to be you or me,
0: yeah. So, production designer Carol Spire was also nominated for Genie Awards in art direction for her work on scanners and video (laughs) drum.
2: Yeah, which, um, just kind of the I thought a lot of the oppressive atmosphere and just kind of the art design and how dark. Mm -hmm. Uh, and sort of oppressive everything looked throughout it. It made me think of scanners and Videodrome a bit. And so I just kind of thought it was interesting. I, I really liked the, uh, the art direction and everything for, for this movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, both of those films are Criterion films as well.
2: Yeah. Very nice.
0: Scanners out of print in a lot of places though. So I'm going to hurry up and find that before it goes OOP and ends up being $130 somewhere.
2: I should probably do that too. Uh, I yeah. just wish I hadn't dropped so much money on my car. In the past I could it's buy okay. more. It's uh. a, I'm,
0: I'm monitoring it. We're good right now. So I just hope that we don't like come up next week and it's like 10s remaining. And I'm like, oh, not now. <laughs> not now. <laughs> not now. <Okay. laughs> Please, God. So it looks like uh, we have some similar entries to, oh, God, the subgenre.
2: Uh, yes, uh, I wanted to look through and see some other entries in sort of the weird pseudo sexual fetish kind of uh, exploitation genre um, just around that time, because exploitation just kind of at least by its textbook definition is just films exploiting a current trend to sell their tickets. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to look at some other movies uh, kind of around the same time. Uh, I mentioned Dead Ringers earlier, um, given that it was another of Cronenberg's works, uh, although that one was kind of a bit beforehand, about eight years or so before. But it was kind of early as it was sort of building up. Um, and then you sort of had uh, like Disclosure would have come next by Barry Levinson. Um, that's the one with. the uh, Oh, uh, what is his name? Michael Ironside. No, no. Um. Oh, This is gonna this Jackson. Is gonna my brain, <laughs> Michael. Yeah, yeah. That was it. No, uh, uh Jay Fox. No uh, yes Yes, <laughs> uh, Michael. <laughs> so, so Michael Crichton actually wrote that. Uh, Michael oh. Douglas is who I'm thinking of. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, Michael. <laughs> Michael Crichton actually did write Disclosure, which I thought was weird. I didn't really notice that till looking it up, but uh. <laughs> It's <laughs> like adding uh, yeah, a was- bunch
0: of your friends on facebook to a group all because they have the same name it's like what's up guys
2: i <laughs> uh, see so you, uh, you can understand why i've gathered you all here today, michael, uh <laughs> yeah it was uh, like <laughs> douglas, <laughs> douglas started that one and uh, demi moore but it was it was kind of like the weird sort of uh, harassment kind of um just that sort of uh, movie but kind of flipped on its head a little bit um in that it was like demi moore kind of trying to ruin michael douglas's life uh, through just kind of like harassing him a lot and it was really demi more in like real life <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no 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 am no, 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 no. no, 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 no. being serious <laughs> please god uh and then yeah um yeah. I think probably the most famous one of these uh that I can think of would be Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, by stanley yes. kubrick which came out in 99 just a few years after this one that's probably the one i would think that when people would think of like weird erotic kind of exploitation movie that's usually the one that i see people mention a lot and i think it's probably because it's it's stanley kubrick and it's not really similar to most of his other work really uh so that one kind of stands out a lot and so i just kind of wanted to uh point out a few other movies in there just kind of show the trend uh and the reason why it's an exploitation film in the first place. So fucking a fucking a Brody, anything else you want to uh,
0: bring up? Um, you know, like
1: uh, I've I've got some like interesting facts here actually about the film. Uh, what sort of led Cronenberg to actually make this film. If you'd like me to talk about that, Mr. Bowser.
0: Yes, sir. Talk about a couple. Well,
1: you know, he, um, well, a, Upon reading the book, he actually found the overall tone to be very cold, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and you see that throughout the film. Like, oh yes, it is a very dark and cold film. Um, I remember watching this kid uh, watching this film as a kid, and I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" But <laughs> then, as, and then as you grow up, you appreciate it more um, and understanding the tones of the film and that. But the very first time I watched it, I felt dirty. I, I felt really dirty. I was like, I needed a shower after seeing that. And, <laughs> and, and you know, Cronenberg's done his job when he's, when you feel like that. Um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, when, when Ballard, he, he's got an enthusiastic, uh, feeling about like the American style of highways and he felt mm-hmm. that they were, more free more open and more powerful than Europe to which then Cronenberg obviously suggested making the film in Toronto from where he's from and you know um have I Cronenberg talked about
0: uh, not to interject but but to no. interject have I <laughs> did I say it on the show or did I say it pre of why he shot in Toronto of why he ultimately chose uh no
1: no I don't think no. he did
0: Okay, so uh, the book is set in like this weird version of London. But in the book, it kind of describes modern cars for some reason. So whenever he was choosing a location for this, of course, he went to Toronto like he usually does. And because he went to Toronto again, they gave him special permission to block off certain roads. So he was able to shoot on certain streets that nobody was ever given permission to shoot on before. So he used that opportunity to really just get some awesome shots and i think that that's definitely seen in the film and uh i think the the choice to use more modern cars as said in the book was definitely a a good choice absolutely and it's probably a
1: lot cheaper for cronenberg to um, film it there too
0: yeah yeah you'd almost have to go through and you know fix all the continuity and stuff and that's that's way too hard just absolutely. let it be real life toronto and set it there
1: I, I, I love the fact that someone actually came up to him after the film and was like, dude, what's going on with your car crashes? And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, they don't even look real. He's like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, there was no explosions from multiple cameras.
2: <laughs> they
1: had it burnt in their head that like, you know, like there was no CGI um, oh. involved, like mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was crazy to think that, like, that's what people actually believe is like the stuff that they see, like, in a Michael Bay film. Like, that's how a car crashes really is.
2: Yeah, that's real. That's
1: <laughs> real. Like, and he, what he year got- was
2: that movie
0: with uh, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves that where they had to ride Speed? on the bus?
2: Yeah. Oh, Speed. Uh, the, the bus that wouldn't slow down. <laughs> actually, it might be earlier, it might have been. Around the same time. It might be like 95. It might have been like the year or so before this. I think the
0: perception of car movies at this time was not what they are now. Probably not the Uh, most realistic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of that, most realistic, look what modern car films are. They're fucking Poop Town. Let's drop cars out of fucking planes and then drive them away. (laughs) Because that's realistic. It's like an uncharted game. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. what do um, you guys uh think of the way this film is
2: shot i loved it yeah honestly i thought it was beautifully shot um even just like, some of the, like my, i think my favorite shots were some of the uh the internal yeah. ones early on i think my favorite was probably um when james and helen uh kind of get in the car and they're driving along for the first time mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of showing like how claustrophobic they feel because they both just survived that first initial crash and it's them kind of that those over the shoulder shots of them like fucking with their seatbelts and just yeah. kind of showing it like getting like that was probably my favorite um like shot, honestly, because I just it really captured like that claustrophobia that they had to have been feeling. So it was before they got into it when they were still really shaken up by that that crash that killed Helen's husband. Anytime yeah. we see a shot from that fucking balcony that we see both of them working
0: out of <laughs> i'm just like wow this is fucking rad and this is such a good way to start the fucking film and to be like look he's just sitting out there just looking at that especially after his car crash Absolutely, like, he he's just sat there and just stared at it and he's like there's more traffic now and it's like yeah
2: yeah
1: and then it it, like you, even, you even back it up in the first five minutes and it's like a a low dolly shot to re- to reveal nothing it's just mm-hmm. nothing there yep. other than her ass that's pretty <laughs> much it <laughs> so but yeah like those dolly shots throughout the film like look fantastic and especially as nick said like they're almost a bit of a dutch tilt on a car like the way the camera's set up is a bit of a dutch tilt and it's on the outside of the car that you see that it's plate. used frequently yeah I, yeah. I loved it I I, I even love the um for me I think it was the the um, car crash scene where we first see the two stunt drivers go at it mm-hmm. with the, mm-hmm. the is it the who's the who are they taking off the celebrity James Dean James Dean yeah yeah that yeah. scene I th- I found that really really um intense I don't know if you have been in a car crash have yous been in a car crash before yes Yes.
2: I've luckily never been in one.
1: <laughs> so like uh, me, but like I have as well, but um, watching that scene unfold with those two stunt drives, I, even I was getting a bit of Vietnam flashback watching that. I was like, fuck, this is really, really intense. And the way that those cameras were set up when they crashed, you couldn't get any real than that. Like that's mm. the real deal. So
0: I'd say yeah, I one of the worst same. car crashes I had was in my first car. And, uh, it was my Subaru Impreza, and it was raining, and we hydroplaned. We're going about forty-five, so it wasn't too bad. But I was listening here, Rudy. I was listening to the Muir song "Solar Flare Homicide." We're about halfway through, and whenever <laughs> I, I I start to spun out, we spun like four times, and then we hit the embankment, and it popped both tires off, like off the rim, mm. and my glasses flew off and hit the back of the wind, like the back window, and they were stuck in the back window, and my. Uh, fucking music went <laughs> and I was like what the fuck because I had one of those uh, tape adapters to 3.5mm uh-huh. so whenever it hit it actually fucked up the tape so it made that noise and the, so as I was like coming to I was like and a mirror's playing really fucking loud and <laughs> i can't see because my glasses are gone and i'm like looking at my buddy and he's like you okay and i'm like i'm okay i was like what the fuck
2: happened first time i
1: crash we were doing absolutely dumb shit in the rain like um, of course, my, so, <laughs> <condition>. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: Um yeah. we actually nearly went through an old couple's fr- like the front of their house like they would have been watching tv <laughs> we would have went through the house <laughs> and we would have been like here you go and then we would have took <laughs> off <laughs> <laughs> so right, i'll back it up a bit i'll back it up so basically what happened was uh it was like pissing down rain this one night and my mate had this as you would know tj a holden commodore down here v8 yes, yes and he had it souped up and we were so close to his house and he decided to actually put the pedal to the metal and we spun out literally like four or five times um and then it was my side that hit a tree um i was good nothing happened but luckily that tree was there otherwise we as i said would have went through this old couple's uh lounge room um and then we took off and then um, we, we decided – well, I decided to drive straight after it and I dropped him down to the old couple's house and he politely spoke about what happened because they were outside and they were wondering what the fuck just happened. There's,
2: there's, quite,
1: there's, these, there's these tire tracks that are spun out on their front lawn and hit a tree and um, it was quite funny because the next day I was going to play footy and um, – well, football – and here he is rebuilding their bloody garden bed. So I thought he – so, yeah, that was yeah, – that that's pretty on my sheet.
2: Worst I've had is I've lost some paint from my bumper scraping a guardrail and some ice. <laughs> that's the worst that's happened to that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not fun, Nick. I'll, I'll bloody tell you now, it's not that fun. So you're not it, missing It doesn't
2: out. really sound I would fun, not recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, three out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the we most uncomfortable at- scene for you guys. That fucking scar. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Did he fuck, did he fuck her hole? Like, did he reopen God, the fucking I thing? Or did he just rub not. his dick on it? <laughs> I feel like it would be physically impossible to, like reopen a scar like that and
1: i was waiting for him to like rip those fishnet stockings open and just start licking it or something like
0: i think he started kissing it and then he was just like i'm gonna hurry up i need to rub my cock on this
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's like a a tie between that and uh the sex scene with his wife where she's trying to get him to describe vaughn's asshole to her oh that's a great scene. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I don't think this scene was in the version I watched 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I don't yeah, remember any of this. Either that or I just blocked it out. I was like, what the
0: fuck? I mean, this, that's where this movie stands out for me is all the awkwardness that it imposes on the on the viewer. I think it, if, if that was its goal, then it fucking achieved it, bro. It <laughs> takes it and runs with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> runs hard, bruh. <laughs> It's it's
1: weird for me because I look at this film and I'm like, I could watch this all day, every day. It really doesn't that disturb me that much. I don't know if it's me just being a, a little bit fucked in the head, but in saying that, aren't we all? So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's very hard for me to choose a scene like that, but I do see where Nick's coming from with that scene. Like, it was a little bit hard to watch, especially when she's saying, "Describe his penis for me." Um, I found that very,
0: butthole.
1: very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And the, and the, and the balloon knot, um, it was very weird.
2: <laughs> and he, <laughs> and and he uh, just responds. I think it's covered in scars. That, that made it so much worse. <laughs> it's it so much. Worse. I'm like, how would he know? Oh, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: but yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know. What's it for you, TJ? Give us your two cents.
0: Uh, yeah. that scar scene is a little unsettling. Uh, I think, uh, I discussed this with Nick pre-show. I think the scene where he has sex with, uh, Ballard's girlfriend in the back seat. Oh, yeah. She, her face is so cold and she seems so uninterested. And they even fight a little bit in the back there and she eventually mm-hmm. succumbs to him. But the way that she reacts afterwards in a series of events that happens afterwards really makes me feel like she becomes disinterested in the cult at the end, which kind of makes it seem a little rapey. And anybody who's listened to any of yep. my shows before, knows how I feel like that's completely unnecessary unless it is heavily influencing the plot. Uh, most of the time it's just used in there to, uh, as a cheap grab. Uh, again, it might not have been intentional. It could have just been the way that the actress was interpreting that scene. But then again, it came off that way to me. And I feel like uh, it just made me uncomfortable during that scene. Uh, and then the weird goo hand at the end, uh, <laughs> was, yeah, I appreciate that 4K restoration because you could see every little droplet of that goo hand. <laughs> as as, as Clive Barker would call that, that's some elephant come.
2: <laughs> so yeah. just be the, uh, the the cover for the show is just the goo hand. That's what it should have been.
1: I'd have to say uh, also that scene with Vaughn and um, Ballard in the junkyard that was pretty pretty full on. Not not being homophobic or any of that. I just think it was really full on, um, and and very awkward just to be there for, with that. For, yeah. for
0: a for a gay scene like that, it was very aggressive.
2: Yeah, yes. I, I, yeah,
0: the entire time I was watching, I was
2: like, I wonder how well this went over in nineteen ninety six.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, ninety the nineties were very a progressive time as well. So I mean,
2: it could have. I mean, yeah, it, it could have just not been as big of a deal to anybody else. It's just you know literally the entire rest of the film
1: (laughs) yeah i'll I'll tell you what scene actually caught me off guard and i absolutely pissed myself laughing and it was the bit where sea breeze is sitting in the chair after he's just had that car crash so sea breeze is the stunt driver and he's like i want big tits (laughs) they come out to here (laughs) 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 when they're planning their next crash i I want them to see them all
0: smashed up and bloody (laughs) all over the dashboard (laughs) (laughs) okay so speaking about dead dude there uh what what is your opinion on vaughn how do you interpret the character of vaughn brody
1: well well obviously he's disturbed and in a yeah i don't know like see that's that's what i love about cronenberg's characters you get so lost in that character development um and it just feels so real it's like I feel kind of bad for him because that's his fetish, and we all see it as weird. but to an extent, you got to look at it from our point of view. that is fucking weird. and he's just a selfish yep fool just to get off on like he'll do anything to get off like mm. even if that means sacrifice, lives and all that sort of stuff. yeah, I, I just seem really selfish and um
0: a cult leader pretty much. Well, I want to be cult leader because it's not that big. Well, yes, right.
1: yes. That's, yeah. And, and the dialogue, like he's, he's an intelligent human being. I'll give him that. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I find him really disturbing. And when I look at him and all those scars that are mm-hmm. presented on his face and even that tattoo, I actually really like the tattoo scene because – yeah. It, it just shows you how far he will go, also, just to be like.
0: Well, this. I think it shows you how far gone right. he is mentally.
1: Yeah. Like he'll yeah. do anything. Because he starts
0: it. referring to himself as a prophecy and shit like that at that point. Mm-hmm. And he really becomes this character where he thinks he's more than just a man and that he has purpose beyond just his existence right now. So I think he's like almost Charles Manson with cars. Kinda, yeah, but, yeah. But, but the fact that yeah. he, because the fact, the nature of his obsession, the nature of his almost cult, wannabe cult is so dangerous. It prevents him from accumulating people because the survival rate is so low in this type of act. It's different than going out there saying, hey, go force these people to have crashes when you're creating an almost a small community of people that have sex and have car crashes with each other in order to achieve orgasm through that or you can look at it the way as a group of people who are trying to kill themselves as a way to release sexual energy so Mm -hmm. this film is again i don't know if cronenberg is one of those directors like argento who doesn't look at these films the same way whenever they're filming them and don't intentionally put these layered viewpoints in there when they're making these films but uh it's definitely a film that has those layers and can be interpreted many different ways Mm
1: -hmm absolutely sure. as like i said before he when, when he um visualized this film and making it he looked at it as a medical term so
0: mm-hmm.
1: he he basically is the doctor and he's seeing it from his point of view as a medical situation yeah yeah and you definitely see that play out
2: i think it plays into the uh that sort of cold atmosphere that he had for it because it, it's very detached and clinical almost mm-hmm. uh for most of the movie and it's just kind of contrasted against the uh The more erotic scenes and everything like that it it, Mm -hmm. for for the majority of it uh it does feel very detached and clinical i think
0: absolutely absolutely so uh best uh best sex scene
2: Hmm.
1: (laughs) at this it's probably the one that um we were talking about before when she's asking him to describe vaughn It's either that or the very first five minutes where we get um, his partner in the hangar, mm-hmm. and then you've got him, the director, being behind the scenes with the, um, the other the show. The camera girl? Yeah, the camera girl. That's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one.
0: Neither of them came, so it doesn't count. <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i wonder if Ballard. i wonder if Ballard, the writer of the actual book himself is like hardcore into voyeurism
2: i wonder well i mean he named the main character after himself it has to be He'd so almost have there's to, gotta yeah. be something in there where he's he's like you know <laughs> i wrote this but i'm actually kind of liking it a lot now <laughs>
0: <laughs> fucking a
2: so brody what would you uh
0: Amongst other Cronenberg works, where would you rank this? Uh,
1: as in uh, what a rating or
0: not a rating amongst his other works compared to his other works, how would you rank it? um i
1: I think it's a very highly underappreciated film like, okay. he does have some very great films out there and I think this could be the brother to dead well a brother or a sister to dead ringers if you want to look at it in medical terms. Um, Dead Ringers is, is an amazing, amazing film. Um, and it's definitely taken by a medical point of view. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, I, I really, I really do like this film and the more that you watch it, you always find something new and different. Um, and it always, I don't know for you guys, but it always, for me, it always keeps me asking these questions like. Just random questions like, is it right? Is it wrong? Um, yeah, I I I think it's very I think it's very well crafted in a Cronenberg world. I think mean, it's great, and and it's definitely different to his other well to his previous work in the past where we've had horror films that are just so iconic in cinema. These like even today, he, I just love his different approach at um, thriller, drama, eroticism. You know, um,
0: mm. but yeah, what's your uh, favorite? What's okay? I'm going to re- rephrase this. What's your go to Cronenberg film? Oh, it's probably
1: The Fly. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, I do love Eastern Promises or A History of Violence.
2: Okay. Yeah. A History of Violence is great. I was going to say either that or Scanners is my go to Cronenberg. Yeah. Scanners are yeah. the fly for me as well. Mm. I'm not as well versed in Cronenberg. Again, this
0: is a Brody pick. I don't know if we stated that at all yet but uh we all pick films we all picked three films and then uh for this season so this will be fun yeah (laughs) they're all vastly different with the exception of mine i mean actually technically they're vastly different uh there's a uh, we'll talk about it actually we'll talk about it now uh my picks are kind of like evolutions that led to each the next so, one film inspired the next, inspired the next. It's, yeah. Yep. That type of thing. Yep. Brody's seem to be more regional, which I would hope so, uh because <laughs> his region is filled with that glory, glory that is osploitation
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, well, I just I wanted to
1: give it. it. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I just wanted to oh, give right. like, the, the world, like these osplatations films that, no one really saw that inspired a lot of filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? So I think it's just a good opportunity to get them out there and show that Australia can actually make great film. Fucking
0: a. Fuckin a. So who's your favorite character oh. in all of this? See, I like Vaughn only because like yeah. right. It, he, he's he's, he's really he's crazy. He's so crazy. And as the plot goes on, we we learn more and more and more and more and more and more. And he goes from this weird guy that goes that starts looking at looking at James Spader in the hospital hallway to the main character and almost a villain almost rapidly, really quickly. Does he become one of the characters to
2: the bad guy? And it's just yeah.
0: super cool to see that happen. And I think it's told in a very unique way. Mm hmm.
2: And it's it's yes. fun to watch him become kind of more unhinged as the mm-hmm. as the movie goes on, especially when we get to the, the hotel, um, when mm-hmm. his wife is downstairs talking about the police are there to question him in a hit and run. Uh and he's all shaken up by it. And I'm like, Yeah, he did it. <laughs> they I think they left it kind of open. I don't believe that actually uh they said whether or not he definitely did, but even just watching it, I'm just yeah, he did it. Yeah, he did it. He absolutely would do His
0: that. death so, is so fucking gnarly too, and we haven't touched yeah. on that. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is.
0: Yep upside down into a bus killing multiple people in the bus while it catches on fire that's pretty fucking brutal
2: Fuck yeah. yeah of course the way he would go out would have the most collateral damage possible
0: <laughs> and so uh i think we should take this opportunity to talk about the ending of the film and uh let's talk about the motivation of why the film ended the way it did brody
1: well, obviously, she was at that um, crossroads, I believe, and okay. she was going to turn down one path or the other. And he, uh, I do believe that um, Ballard was at that stage where he was like, "I know who I am. Do you want to come with me?" So he did what he did to her, and then at, it sort of comes full circle at the end because she she says that quote at the start of the film. Maybe maybe we'll get it next. T- Is it maybe we'll get it right next time? Um, and then they say i think
2: it's just maybe next time maybe on the next one
1: yeah yeah maybe on the next one and then when they have that car crash and then they start having intercourse she says it again so it sort of comes full circle they've so next stage in life
0: i can tell you how i can interpret that so earlier in the film they talk about the only way to release the sexual energy is through death so i think that now that Vaughn's passed And that cycle of voyeurism and sex and crashes is now done that they're now looking for an escape. But they're now plagued with this curse that the only way that they can achieve sexual climax is by
2: continuing the crash. Um, Yeah, it's almost like Vaughn has propagated himself beyond it after he's dead by just Mm -hmm. turning Ballard into another of him.
0: Again, Marilyn Manson with cars.
2: Yeah, but... Charles Manson with cards. Charles Manson. Actually, (laughs) no.
0: Oh,
2: no, no, that's right. That's right.
0: Not anymore, motherfuckers. Yeah. (laughs) With fucking cards. Because it applies to both
2: now. Damn it. Man, kind of going to miss having that whole, yeah, he's weird and everyone hated him, but like he seems like a nice guy and like it's fine and everything. Just because you don't hate him because he just makes metal. Oh, no, he is actually a piece of shit.
0: (laughs) Dave's memes of 90s mom (laughs) sipping tea. Yeah, it's like <laughs> my mom right there. Marilyn is the Antichrist. 90s mom sipping tea in the just... <laughs> I think one of them had Dwight looking through the blinds in the conference room. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You
1: yeah, know, I um, just, with what we we're talking about, Vaughn before, he just has so many fucking layers. And every time you go back and rewatch watch this film, you always like, pick up something new with Vaughn's character. That's that's what I really like about this film. Um, they don't directly throw it in your face. You have to leave it up. Uh, it's left up to, uh, for you to decide on what you think um, uh, this character is mm-hmm. and who he is. But, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, When I rewatched it last night, I was even like, holy shit, I didn't see that before. And it was that scene where... He's looking at it's after the first crash, and he's like looking at Ballard's leg with all the rods in it, and he's like, "Oh, oh my god, oh my god!" Just getting off over it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Va- Vaughn's, yeah, it's it's. What if,
0: uh, what if Vaughn is just what happens to Casey Jones after Ninja Turtles two? <laughs> <Shit, it's- laughs>
2: It I see shit in
0: New York, man. I moved to Toronto to get away from it, and now I can only get off
2: by wrecking my car. <laughs> tmnt changes a man. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, eh? Uh...
0: <laughs> so, uh, boys, what would we rate this film?
2: I think we have to come up with it's a let's establish the rating system. Yeah.
0: Brody, what, how how we do this? Out of five, traditional way, our good old way.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you want to want to do it out of five,
0: let's do. Uh, how many slutty car crashes out of five?
1: We, <laughs> we do? Ooh, damn. I'm gonna have to give it a. I'm gonna have to give it a solid four. A solid four for me.
2: Okay, that's what I was thinking as well. Okay, fucking a. Yeah, uh, four as well just level of enjoyment
0: on yeah. the scale of things.
2: I really, I really, really like the movie. Um, and I agree with Brody that I think it's really underappreciated. Uh, cause everyone, you know, they hear David Cronenberg, they think body horror, just mm-hmm. body yes. horror, the fly. I want to watch Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and the, some of pieces. that's present. Yeah. Um, yes. we do see that, especially just uh, not sea to breeze. the level
0: of his other films where the point where Rick and Morty jokes are made.
2: Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking of Rick and Morty a lot the entire time I was watching, (laughs) I was watching this just because of the Cronenberg's (laughs) episodes and stuff. Uh, But yeah, I I think it gets uh, overshadowed a lot. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it's really, really good. It's shot really well. And the fact that all of it's practical and it looks as good as it does, is just a testament to how good he is as a director. Yes.
0: Awesome. So let's talk about next episode and future plans of Lights Camera exploit next episode is nick we're gonna do basket case yes we are
2: yeah motherfucking belial <laughs> <laughs> so uh
0: who made that film
2: um the let's see here
0: same guy's brain damage right uh
2: i believe yes. so yeah is it f- uh
0: frankenhorne uh,
2: uh yeah frank H- Hennenlauter.
1: Hmm, i was way off
2: uh but yeah so uh frank hand um he's he's not a lot that i think uh would really like not a lot even of his other stuff i would recognize off the top of my head but Mm -hmm. yeah no he did do brain damage um i think basket case and its subsequent sequels um Mm -hmm. which go way off the mark from the original basket case we will we'll discuss
0: them we'll discuss <laughs> yeah. Them. yeah um <laughs> yeah.
2: but but yeah i think those are probably the ones that he's most known for mm-hmm. uh i think frank henwater um is just kind of a kind of a cult classic uh director uh from that time period um especially because most of everything he did was super low budget especially basket case so yep yep
0: not everything has to have a big budget to be good though
2: Oh, no, not yeah, at all. No, and I, no. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think a uh, actually kind of like a weird sidebar. I think the film Toxic Zombies from I want to say 1980. Uh, Massacre Video is doing a video release. Yeah, from 1980 is doing a video release and they're streaming it tonight oh. uh, for like a little private screening and you can stream it and stuff i'm interested that movie's uh also known blood eaters in the forest of fear it's uh yeah it might be a film we cover in the future all right it's uh, after drug crops are sprayed with a chemical by a passing airplane the growers of the crop are poisoned by the chemical and turn into zombie-like mutants it was filmed here in pennsylvania and i think the crop was marijuana but i can't be sure Hell yep yeah.
2: anti-drug initiative 80s yep. thing yeah i would assume technically it, uh it, it is perfect for this show yeah <laughs> even like technically reefer madness is an exploitation movie you really think about it <laughs> yes yeah, yeah we should have uh jack shoulder do an intro
0: to that episode who uh <laughs> fucking recut that movie for new line cinema in the 70s to re-fucking start up the whole reef anti-reefer thing and that's how new line cinema got money to make uh subsequent movie films uh huh. is by Selling propaganda of marijuana. <laughs> that sounds like a very new line thing to do. Yes. thanks. <laughs> Fuck it. Hey, so a uh, little shameless shilling here for those who don't know, I am TJ Bowser. I host Gordon Moore, TJ Bowser, power hour, jerk the curtain. What else do I do? Joints and joysticks. <laughs> oh, and rabbit hole with production designer, Mick Stron. couple more podcasts to be announced. Uh, Nick, what do you do?
2: I am one of the co-hosts, uh, along with my friends, Cameron and Ryan for the big bad beetle bros also on uh, project louder as yes. well. Uh, that is the only other one that I'm on currently, <laughs> uh, Brody, where can they find some of your stuff?
1: That is a very good question. Um, yeah, no, uh, where can you find some of my stuff
0: every week on Gore and More. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes, you can. <laughs> I have my little two cents every week on the show. Uh, I give about a three minute review. Um, but yeah, this is my first time actually with TJ and the boys on the um on the Project Louder podcasting. So no, nah, I'm very happy to be here and talk about films. Um I've been meaning to do it for a long time. TJ's finally got me on board. So yeah, I'm happy to be here and discuss film.
0: So I think that that is it for this episode of lights, camera exploitation. Thank you for listening to the pilot episode and we will be back very, very soon with basket case. So this is your host with the motherfucking mo saying, see you next time. Motherfuckers. <laughs>
2: Bye. <y'all>. Bye. <Bye-bye. laughs>